and welcome to the Light Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and this every week we are here to talk humanity, intellect, and change. And I'm really excited about this show, not because it is a warm and fuzzy topic, but because it is a very important topic, and um, it's something that many of us experience, or if we don't experience it directly. To relationships with people who have experienced it, and that is toxic motherhood. Right? Even saying it uh, is, a, is a heavy thing, but yeah, so today we're going to be having a compelling conversation um, with two guests on the topic of toxic motherhood. Um, the first one who will uh, get to see this hour is Kirsten and I, I will introduce you and let you know who she is. I'm very excited to have her on the show with us today. And the second hour of the show, we will have Chandra Gore. Um, so one of the things that, the, uh, you know, the bulk of emotional issues that we experience are rooted in our childhood. They get traced back to what we had um, experienced with our mothers, our fathers, our, our, our siblings. But that, that critical childhood experience um, often is what you know, we see in manifestation of our behaviors now as adults. And so, um, so I really want to dig into that. Um, and even those of you who are mothering and may not know that you might be exhibiting some plastic motherhood traits, you know, I really encourage you to be open to the conversation um, and to be introspective because it's such an important topic. Um, it impacts generations to come. And, and one of the things that we are going to look at is this whole idea of generational toxic motherhood. So stay with us. We've got so much to talk about. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm very excited about this topic because it's so important. Um, if you have any comments or anything and you want to engage in this conversation, join us on Facebook Live and put your comments and we will be sure to uh, respond or answer any questions, acknowledge any experiences that you want to share um, right here on the air. So stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and today we are talking about toxic motherhood. Um, you know, one of the things that we don't often follow to some of the emotional issues that we experience today is, in fact, the experience that we have with our own mothers. Um, and so it's a really important topic that I, I want you all to get involved with. Um, leave comments. Um, we'd love to hear your input on uh, this very important topic. Um, and so I, I don't want to delay any further. I want to bring in our guest. Carissa Hodges. So let me go ahead and introduce her. Um, building and redefining your brand with positivity and excellence is her commitment. Um, the brainchild and founder, Tara Carissa Hodges um, of Global Media Group, um, uh, builds a restructured brand awareness in the media for corporations, small to mid sized businesses, events, ministries, influencers, uh, and personalities via PR, sales, and marketing campaigns, product placement, media placement, and more. Through her empowerment endeavors, as seen on TaraCarissa.com, um, um, I'm sorry, LR also helps the masses redefine, redesign their personal and spiritual lives using faith-based principles through online teachings, coaching, ebooks, conferences, and more. So welcome, 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 Tara Carissa Hodges. Hi, woman of God. Thank you for having me. To God be the glory. 
It is wonderful to have you. Um, just to give everyone who's watching us on Facebook, Facebook Live a heads up, we don't have you on camera today, but that is totally okay because we get to get your wisdom anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. We are in the process of boxing up, moving. So yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say that there's a couple of, of, of reasons why I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. So first of all, um, many of our, our listeners of the Live Exchange are familiar, or maybe know about um, my book, Letters to the Brokenhearted. I published that in 2013, uh, seven years ago. And uh, it was my first book. It was um, a bestseller, an award-winning book. And I was so thrilled that Tara was willing to write um, a, a review. She, 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 I sent it to her. She read it. She wrote a review. <laughs> and that review remains on the cover, uh, on the inside flap to this day. So I thank you so much for that. Oh, to God be the glory, and thank you for giving me something to recommend to my audience, because I believe in the power of wisdom and knowledge, and your book was one of those books that I definitely recommended to my audience in 2013. Thank you so much. So so the other reason why I invited you to the show is because I follow you, and I, I uh, and on Facebook in particular, um, you were leading a conversation over, maybe it was a few days um but, you know, it continues on as people see the post and, <laughs> and continue to comment. But it was about toxic motherhood. And that conversation was so fiery in so many different ways, just, it, just meaning that it took root and it took off. Um, and people started to share their stories. And you presented a, a, a scenario every time you would post about it, um, which was so beautifully written. But it, it really hit hard, you know, for a lot of people. And um, even, you know, for those who may or may not have experienced it, everybody was engaged. This is the reason, that is the reason why we're doing the show today, because I thought we need to have this conversation. So thank you for being willing to come and join this conversation. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So I want to start off by asking why this is an important conversation. This can be perceived as, as fostering negativity, um, bashing mothers. Um, but I want to know why you saw this as an important conversation to have. Well, a couple of reasons why, in particular in the African-American community, where 80% of our households are led by single mothers, we are so used to hearing what men aren't doing, what daddy didn't do, daddy yeah. wasn't there. And there is a place for that. There is a voice for that. I do not uphold absentee fathers or dads under any circumstances. I believe if you lay down and, and create a child, both parents need to be responsible. So let yeah. me say that up front and very loudly. However, I am in ministry. I've been licensed and ordained preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ since 2006. And I've also been uh, a licensed life coach since 2010. And I'm also completing my doctorate in clinical counseling. Oh, right, what bro. I have found out uh, <laughs> alongside my journey is that there are so many people hurting in the mm -hmm. African-American community. And I'm sure in all communities, but I'm an African-American woman. The majority of my ministry uh, is, is followed by African-American people or people of the African diaspora. So that is who I have a tendency to speak to, although yeah. the word can be applied to anybody. But what I found out is that so many people were suffering uh, due to toxic mothering and nobody 
has given them an outlet. And not, let me not say mm -hmm. nobody because there are plenty of the outlets and I will recommend them at the end of the show. But we're mm -hmm. just now beginning to have the conversation in the African-American community on a large scale about toxic mothering. And I think that that's a problem. If we can talk about absentee dads, we can talk about toxic mothers, because uh, what I found out in my own life's journey is that there was a difference. And I'm a happily married woman now, but there, there was a clear difference in the men that I was in relationships with that grew up with a domineering mother and no father present and mm. men who had a healthy father present in the home. And I can tell you emphatically, if I had to go back out into the world and be single again, off top, I would not date a man who was raised by his mom alone unless he could tell me the type of therapy that he has been in uh, to really process the wound of not having a father there process possibly being mothered by a overbearing domineering toxic mom uh, and what boundaries he now has in place to differentiate between uh, his mother and the role that she will play in his adulthood moving forward Woo. okay that that brings about a lot of questions <laughs> so i am um, i'm looking forward to we're going to go to break and we're going to come back to trending topics but when we dive back into this, um, I definitely have a couple of questions based on what you just said. So everybody stay with us. We're going to take a break and we will be right back. Hey, I'm Dr. Pamela. And um, so this week's trending topics, I'm not going to stay on this long. You know, so every week we give a, a, you know, what's going on in the news and um, we know what's going on in the news. So um, President uh, Donald Trump has been impeached for the second time. Um, and, uh, you know, the, it, it, it is pretty remarkable just the very fact that some of the very people that were staunch supporters of him um, at uh, 10 of the Republicans um, from the House of Representatives did decide to vote for in favor of his impeachment. Um, and they're just surrounding that from the insurrection at the White House last, um, I'm sorry, at the Capitol building last week. Um, there continues um, to be a threat um, as we are looking forward to the inauguration of Joe Biden next Wednesday. And um, it is just a an all around um, nail biting, for lack of a better word, situation. And so, um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I um, I pray that everybody um, takes care, um, is safe, um, because the level of hate that is out there right now um, is intense. And um, you know, so so that is what happened second impeachment um it, it appears that there is going to be no rush to have the trial um the hearing and so it looks like those will be happening next week and um unless anything's changed that i have not yet seen this morning um and so we will see um what actually happens in these last days of his presidency um if you ask me i think it's great and all i guess but um We've been saying this for years. We've been saying this when he was running. So for, for those for whom this became, this is an epiphany that, oh, my gosh, he is problematic. Um, we've been saying it. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say about that. Unless unless my guest, Tara, Carissa Hodges, wants to add to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I will say this because I think it's a great segue back into our conversation. Okay. A lot of times people cannot recognize toxicity in leaders because 
it resembles oh. the toxicity that they grew up with. And Say if that. you grew up, and I, I just spoke to someone about this last night, you know, the men and the women, but I'll say men because from the videos, the majority of the protesters were men. Um, right. From the men that we saw out on the Capitol last week, let's be emphatically clear, these are men with jobs. These are men that own businesses. These are men yep. that you would run into every day at the store. So understand this level of toxicity is woven throughout American society in everyday life. And, and so they couldn't see the toxicity in Trump because nine times out of 10, they grew up with that level of toxicity in their home. And you yeah. will always run past red flags uh, that everybody else can see that you don't see when the red flag is not a red flag to you because it's your normality. Whew. That was a beautiful segue. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's what I mean when I say we don't tie the toxicity we see in adults to some of the things that happen in childhood. And this is a prime example. If I could, if, <laughs> while these people are in prison, <laughs> if I could do a study on them, I know it's unethical to, you know, there's, there's a lot of parameters from a researcher standpoint to do research on people in, in, um, who, who are in prison because they're a compromised population. However, I would love to sit down and learn about the past and the childhood of each individual that was, that was involved, because I bet there is a tie. I don't bet. I know, as you said, that there's a tie to toxicity there. So thank you for saying that. Um, before the break, um, you said you, you tossed out some really good nuggets. And I, I also want to acknowledge that, um, you know, the, the chat is buzzing right now on Facebook and we see you and I appreciate all of you that are there. Um, um, to what you were saying, um, Tara, Markeisha uh, Hiller is saying, speak, speak. Yeah, so, she, so people are, are hearing and feeling um, what's being said. Um, Jamie Moranzi says, people can't recognize the toxicity that they grew up with because it's normalized um, in their lives. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I never will forget a commercial by Febreze, and it was of someone walking into a, a person's house. Yes, and they could smell the trash, but the person there couldn't smell it. And Febreze mm-hmm. says it's because you go nose blind. Nose well, that's blind. life. You know, a lot of times you cannot recognize an overbearing friend, an overbearing pastor, mm-hmm. because you grew up with an overbearing mother. And so what would be red flags to anybody else who grew up with a mother who is not overbearing? You can't see because you've gone blind to it because yes. of normality. Woo. Yes. Toxic blind, trauma blind. I'm, I'm in, you, you said you're working on your, your doctorate. I want you to coin that term. <laughs> We do need to go to uh, a break. <laughs> Markeisha said nose blocked. I love it. <laughs> uh, but when we come back, um, I definitely, like I said, I got some questions to ask. So I'm going to dive into those questions. Everybody keep your comments coming. Uh, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela. And uh, today I am joined by Sarah Carissa Hodges who um, is helping me dissect this conversation about toxic motherhood. Um, Earlier, Sarah, you had mentioned that the, um, you know, one of the things that you have done, you know, if you, or if you were ever to become single again, which I think is great information for for people who are single and dating, um, that you would look at 
kind of the dynamics between his mother and himself and how he grew up. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned that if he was raised by a single mother, um, that, you know, you would be especially cautious. But I have a question about single motherhood. Um, and, and one might have an obvious answer, but I, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, does being raised by a single mother inherently mean toxic motherhood? And what does single, a healthy single mother look like? No, absolutely not. Every single mother is not toxic by any means. Absolutely not. Um, I, I think that, you know, healthy parenting or a healthy mother is a mother, um, you know, who understands um, the importance of how she interacts with her child and seeing the child not as an extension of herself. That's a form of narcissism, but seeing yeah. the child as an individual and making sure that she has adult outlets to release her stress. Ooh. You know, if she has a girlfriend, making sure that, and I, yeah. I say this to a lot of single moms who I coach, not dating in front of your children. You know, mm. it's my personal belief that your child should not know that you are dating somebody until it's serious and you guys have just about gone through uh, the things that are pretty much that we're about to get engaged and now we're meeting families and yeah. now I'm introducing. So at the end of the day, it is esteeming your child above yourself. And when you become a parent, that's what you agree to. You agree to put your child before you what is in their best interest. And I say that because sometimes when I'm coaching single moms, you know, they're telling me about, well, the child hasn't seen their dad. And I'm like, well, why is if the, now if the dad is abusive, absolutely keep the child away. But mm -hmm. if it's because you're not getting your way or you're trying to punish the dad, Ooh. there's no room for that. So there, there are multiple layers to toxic motherhood, uh, but also make sure that you're not a controlling mother. Um, make sure that you understand that your child, I'm talking about adults now, have their own life. Uh, and even as they are children, yes. as they're growing up, you know, if you need to work with a coach that can give you coaching on, you know, how to be a good parent, there's no one size fit all. But I believe that if we can get career coaching and we can get financial coaching, health coaching, and we can go to the gym and get our bodies trained. There's nothing wrong with checking yes. in with the professional and say, hey, I want to make sure that I'm disciplining my child the right way. Are there any other tips? We, we've got to do the investing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, by the way, and, and I think, you know, parents to do anything that I'm not already doing. So I want to put that out there as well. Uh, and that's important. That's important. I mean, and these are things that take intention. So that means I'm paying attention to when I make relationship decisions, is my child at the forefront of that decision? That's so important. And I think that this is one way that people miss toxic motherhood um, in their dating because they see dating as a separate thing. This is my life. This is what I'm doing. And you, you can't, I'm not going to let my child control how I dictate my dating situations and that alone but it's not your child controlling is you being right. protective and, exactly. and 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 that's why i'm a huge proponent of family planning now when i say family planning mm. i don't mean it in the sense that we hear um you know not that sense when i say family planning i mean we all know how babies get here right every one of us so if you're not ready for a child emotionally, mentally, financially, spiritually, if you're not healed from your own toxic childhood, then this is not the season for you to have a baby. Go work on your career, go to counseling, go work on your finances, your credit, other things that are 
things that you can focus on for your life. Practice no sex, get on birth control, whatever the case may be. But I firmly believe that you don't need to bring a child into this world. And again, we all know how they get here. So, <laughs> you know, saying, well, I was on birth control and they still showed up. Again, right. if you don't want a child, 100% way not to get a child here is no sex. And so that's when you have to discipline yourself and say, I'm not ready for a child. I'm not willing to take that risk. Right. Again, this means not being self-centered and and selfish, but also thinking about uh, the other person that's that's impacted by this. So, so there's a okay. So now we have people, women in a situation where they have a child that they did not necessarily want or were not necessarily ready for, and here they are in motherhood. Um, how do they know that they are that person that needs to go seek out that help? Okay. How does your child respond to you? You know, I have coached mothers who say, you know, my child never tells me that they love me. My child never hugs me. My child never wants to do anything with me. And I said, well, that 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 might be a sign that your child doesn't feel happy around you. Your child doesn't feel safe around you. Your child feels like they have to walk on eggshells or your child just feels better being outside of your presence. So really, yeah. because here's the thing, people and this is from babies to teenagers to adults. People want to be around people who make them feel good. And wow, so if, if, if your child never shows any signs of, hey, mom, will you do this with me? Hey, mom, you, you might want to begin looking at yourself. If, wow. if you can't ever remember just having a normal conversation with your child that wasn't directing them to do something or it wasn't fussing at them or correcting them. You might want to look at that. If you don't know the last time you said, hey, y'all, let's just go grab some pizza. Let's just go watch a movie. If you can't look back on fun days or days where you went and did something that you know your child would enjoy, you might want to look at that. That's huge. Oh, gosh. How the child is responding to you. So one of the things that that is a block, a barrier for us, once, so let's say we realize this now, taking us on a journey here. <laughs> so, so somebody realizes, somebody just said what you said and they say, oh, my God. That, that sounds like me. But there is this emotional block that keeps us from acting and saying, you know what? I got to fix this. But it's there's, there's too much stuff, so they don't know how to get past that, and they just kind of stay in the same pattern. How do you get past that? Number one, professional counseling. But even before you can go to professional counseling, you've got to admit that maybe I can be a better parent. Maybe yeah. there are some things that I've gotten wrong and not justify your wrong, but really get to the root of why you've been wrong. The Bible says that pride comes before destruction. Mm. If you can't tell the truth to yourself about how you feel you can improve as a parent, then understand that you are playing a very active role in the destruction of your relationship with your child. If your child tells you, mom, this, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. You great. If, if, if your child can't tell you what they feel that you can improve without you defending yourself, that's no different than your spouse coming to you and saying, babe, I want you to look at this. And then you bristle up and start defending yourself. Well, you have to be willing to admit that you're not perfect and there's room for improvement. And that's for everybody. That's absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, that whole thing right there that you just said about, um, I feel this way you did, you know, something you did make me feel this way. That's a huge one right there because a lot of times children aren't given voices in households and that translates over to uncle such and such made me feel really uncomfortable. Auntie such and such made me feel uncomfortable. And if they are silenced, they learn, 
I'm not I'm not allowed to say anything about this. I got to I got to just keep it under wraps. Um, I want to I see that we have to go to break, but I want to continue that conversation about having a voice in the household, because a lot of people shut that down and say, nah, you're the kid. You you don't have nothing to say. And I really want to address that. Uh, So we're going to go to a break. When we come back, uh, I definitely want to talk about that. So stay with us. All right, welcome back to Live Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and today we are talking, talking about graphic motherhood, and I'm joined by Tara Carissa Hodges. Um, and I want to give you a little bit of research um, before we continue into our conversation. Um, this is really looking at a, a summarization of um, parent-child relationship research and some of the um, clinical studies um, that have been done to just kind of uh, demonstrate the impact of, of parenting on um, the child and later adulthood. So, um, so those of you who are in psychology, this will just be a bit of a review, but um, the first one is looking at Eric Erickson's psychosocial theory of development process. Um, and basically the idea it proposes that infants who have caregivers who meet their basic needs will grow into trusting adults. But infants whose needs are not met will develop feelings of mistrust in future relationships. What's interesting is that there is sometimes, if you are a toxic parent, there might be a misinterpretation of what needs actually are. I feed you, I clothe you, you have a house, you're fine. But there's also that need for love, and there's also that need for connection. So when those needs all come together, as an adult... Um, we are more likely to become trusting adults. Um, the second one is looking at parents um, from the standpoint of being a teacher. Um, and led by Gatsu, viewed parents as masters and the child as a, an apprentice in learning. And I think this goes back to what Tara was saying about when you are dating somebody who maybe had a controlling mother, um, they're learning those things and they may not they may not manifest with them being controlling themselves, although it might. It can also manifest itself in them looking for somebody who will control them the way that their mother controlled them. And then the third one is Albert Albert Mandura's social learning theory. And this is likening parents to models who demonstrate behavior that children can then copy. So, for example, if we're hugged by our parents and we see our parents being physically affectionate towards others, Mandura's theory assumes that we would become huggers too. So they model the the behavior. Um, And so you can also imagine how that example in a negative sense would also impact the behavior of children in a negative way. Um, I want to share one thing here, a comment from Markeisha Hillard. She's sharing her um, own transformation as um, a mother. Um, She says, I went to counseling and practiced recovery in this area. I was a teenage mom and was pretty much learning on the job. I used that as an excuse to be dysfunctional until I realized the harm on the other side, which was my sweet daughter. It's worth it, she says. She will be 17 on Saturday, and I'm thankful for the growth. That's powerful. Yeah, to God be the glory. I love that. And as you were speaking, I was also reminded of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. And, you know, when, when parents say, oh, I feed them and I clothe them, that's your minimum, baby. Uh, that, that's what keeps you out of jail. Because if you don't do that, you would go to jail. But above and beyond that, your child has to feel safe, love. The home is supposed to be a place where they feel respected, where yes. they can build on healthy self-esteem, 
Um, and, and so I really implore parents to really look at, at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you were taught that in high school, you probably forgot it. But 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 that is so critical. And I, I applaud that mother that has gone to counseling because I, I tell people that I don't have to directly ask a person what their childhood was like. All I have to do is look at their adulthood. Ooh. Okay. Because you tell your adulthood tells on you. Your adulthood tells on you. And so a parent can tell me all day long, I was the perfect parent. I did this. I just don't understand. But see, and and there's this thing called subconscious programming. Okay. And that is when your child learned just by what they saw in their household at a young age. And so when you were bringing men in and out the household, when the only time you spoke to your child is when you were yelling at them. Or telling them, go wash your dishes, go clean up your room. Or if the only time they heard, I love you, is when they brought home good grades on a report card. Then then we see the effects of that in their adulthood. And so a lot of times parents are complaining about what their children aren't in their adulthood. But then when I began to talk to the parents, I found out that they weren't very much when they were the same age as their child when they were that age in their adulthood either. And so oftentimes right. when parents come to me and I say, well, my child is 30 years old, they're this and they're that and that, that. And I said, well, what were you doing at 30? Mm. <laughs> Good if you didn't get your life together until 50, I don't want to hear you judging your child who's only 25. Woo! That's so good. That is so good. Um, and, and how do you undo all of that with the manifestation of yourself in the form of your 30-year-old child? My, my Lord. Um, see, a, seed, a lot of people don't like this, but it's real. It's real. A seed can only reproduce after its own kind. Absolutely. I was listening to a doctor on the radio yesterday as I was running some errands. And the host asked him, how did you get into being this specific type of surgeon? He said, because my daddy was one. And that's mm. all I saw my daddy do. Wow. Now, I'm wow. not saying parents are responsible for every bad decision that their child makes. I'm not saying that by any means because people have their own free will. People have other influences that they choose to give themselves to. But I am saying that childhood is the foundation for people's lives. You cannot argue that. Oh, gosh. That's so good. I I, I hate to break that now, but we got to break. We'll be right back. Stay with us on the line exchange. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and today I am joined by Tara Carissa Hodges. I cannot wait to say Dr. Tara Carissa Hodges. <laughs> uh, it's coming, it's coming. Um, and we were talking about toxic motherhood, um, and one of the last things that was that, that she said right before the break uh, it was actually captured by Ramsey, who's also joined us on Facebook, and um, a seed can only reproduce out of its own kind. So we are really, yeah, what we plant is what we end up seeing. So um, one of the reasons why we're having this conversation is because um, Tara had a a really profound uh, conversation on um, her Facebook page about this. And one of the things that became abundantly obvious to me, all of your posts, a whole lot of dialogue and attention back and forth. But this one... um, seem to be really especially intense. And, and I'm just wondering, from your observation of what was being said and the intensity of how it was being said, why was this conversation so intense and so different? Is that is the issue that pervasive? The issue is that pervasive and the issue is rarely addressed. Let me tell you how the conversation came about. 
And for those of you who are going to look for the conversation on my page, you would probably find it easier if you went to Facebook and used the t- hashtag toxic mothers. Um, okay. A few weeks ago, I did a wifehood call and I was teaching women how to go through the process of becoming a wife. Pretty is not enough. Mm. And uh, throughout my research, I ran across a video of this very profound woman. Uh, and, and she was talking about one of the ways that is blocking black women from getting married is th- their mother issues. And I've been speaking on my mother issues for the last past three to four years. But I love the way she tied it to getting married because she really poured out that when you have grown up in a single parent household and all you've seen is your mother be the provider, then we have a generation of masculine women who have been taught by default. Here goes that subconscious programming that as a woman, you got to go out there and get it. You got to do it. And that is true. And I'm a very financially independent woman. Um, You know, my husband knows, God forbid, if anything happened to him, baby, I could steer the ship and, and steer our family to safety and we would be fine. So I'm all for women being financially independent, but in the sake of a marriage, I believe in interdependence. Um, And so what that means is if anything happens, I'm not a damsel in distress, but I also know how to work as a partner. But when you've never grown up seeing your mother married, that wasn't a part of your formative years, then you have you have literally grown up seeing nothing but strong, independent women. And that doesn't necessarily mesh well when you begin to go on the journey of believing God for a mate, because rarely do alpha men marry alpha females. Now, don't get it twisted. Alpha doesn't mean successful or lack of successful. Alpha right. means leader. And what it means is, and, and it, is that we see in Proverbs 31, Yes, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman was a businesswoman, very successful. So again, being an alpha female has nothing to do with the amount of money in your bank account or if you can be successful. Absolutely. Matter of fact, if you were to do the hashtag successful married women, I've been highlighting successful married women every day since January 1st, showing you that you can be successful, you can be married. But again, uh, that has nothing to do with your ability to be feminine. What are the traditional characteristics of a feminine woman? And so um, when I began to read through the comments on that young woman's page, a woman put up a comment and said, the day my mama died, I was free. And over 200 wow. women agreed with her. It had wow. over 100 comments. And if you know anything about YouTube is that people can downvote your comment. But out of 300 comments and upvotings, nobody downvoted her comment. Wow. Nobody. That's powerful. Every comment was, I feel the same way. I hate my mama. She is toxic. And what I know from being in ministry is the church teaches you the verse, honor thy mother and father. But for $1,000, they can't tell you what the scripture is, where it tells parents not to provoke their children to rain. They can't tell you what the scripture is, where Jesus says, your mothers and your brothers are the people who do the will of the father. They can't tell you where Jesus said, and a man's worst enemies will be those of his own household. Wow. They can't tell you a God had a king sit his grandmama down because she was out of order. And he said, because you are set that Jezebel, your grandmama down, I am going to bless you in your kingdom. Wow. (laughs) So understand there's more verses in the Bible regarding parenting and motherhood besides honor. See, the black church overall, not all, but overall has taught us how to honor mama, but not how to heal from her. Good Lord. Okay, let me let me stop. Let me stop you there because we only have seven minutes, and I want you to talk about how to heal from her. 
what needs to happen to heal from toxic mom? I believe I should give resources because with seven minutes left, I will not do that question justice. But okay. number one, you have to be willing to admit my mom was a little bit too much. Now, that does not mean that you cannot respect the good in your mom. Because let me tell you something. Again, in African-American households, unfortunately, 80% of our children are growing up in single mother households. So I want to applaud the mothers that stayed. Because you know what? Even though some of these moms have been toxic, at least they stayed and they didn't take off running like daddy. So mm -hmm. that does reserve a level of respect. Mm -hmm. But in order to kill from mama, you've got to say, now, mama, this is where you got to aid. I, I, I love you. You 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 didn't take off running. But 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 then you got to learn how to tell the truth to yourself, because here's the thing. Toxic mamas don't always want to hear where they failed. Right. And so you got to learn how to heal uh, without necessarily confronting by way of expecting um, an explanation, because then that puts your healing in mama's hands. And, you know, I read a quote in psychology today that I never forgot. And I want to share it with your audience. And that is happy people focus on what they can control while mm. unhappy people focus on what they can't control. I can't tell you how many women I have coached that are irritated that their mama won't own up the stuff that she did. Well, if you're waiting on your mama to own something, then you're putting your happiness and your freedom in her hand. So here's what you can do to be free. Acknowledge to yourself where mama went right and where mama went wrong. Then get in professional counseling. And I tell women two things about counseling. Finding a great therapist. I'm not talking about no church therapist. I'm talking about people that have been to school, uh, that have been licensed and accredited by the U.S. Department of Education if you live in the United States. Mm -hmm. but, but, but finding a therapist or a psychotherapist or a counselor is just like finding a good beautician. The first one you go to, you might not like. That doesn't mean don't ever get your hair done. That means keep on going until you find the right one. Then number two, I hear women say, but that's a lot of money. Let me tell you something. So are lace fronts. Right? <laughs> Don't spend more money on your hair than you do your healing. Isn't Don't it? spend more money on your hair than you do your head. Number yes. two, I recommend Dr. Henry Cloud. Dr. Henry Cloud is a beast in the area of psychology. And matter of fact, he has a phenomenal website that is strictly devoted to boundaries. And mm -hmm. so if you just put Dr. Henry Cloud into Google or even on Instagram, you can sign up for his newsletter. Um, also, I, I recommend Googling narcissistic mothers, and there's a ton of resources on how to kill from narcissistic moms because sometimes mama is toxic because she's narcissistic. Um, and so whatever the case may be, I, I implore you to get into professional counseling. I implore you to begin uh, Googling. Google is your friend when it comes to how to kill from toxic motherhood, how to kill from toxic mothers, how to kill from uh, narcissistic moms. I, I really encourage you to do that. And then I encourage you to understand that in order to heal, nobody else has to accept your truth. You just have to learn how to tell the truth to yourself and go on your healing journey, whether anybody understands your healing journey, agrees with it or not. Wow. Nuggets. I, I could note this is good stuff. Um, one, one thing that I do want to emphasize is for the person who's watching this and listening to this and they say, well, it's probably not me. My mom wasn't a single mom. Look, when you mention narcissistic moms, narcissistic moms can control households that have men in them as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So you might have a two-parent household that you grew if up with. If your dad was passive and your mom ran everything, and when your yep. mama was mad at you, your daddy didn't have talk to you, that's a form yep. of toxicity. If yes. you and your mom have a falling out, all your siblings know about it, that's a form of toxicity. She has no business venting to your siblings about you and vice versa. She has no business venting to you about your siblings. If uh, you're always the problem and she can never take responsibility, that's a form of toxicity. If you tell your mom something private and she tells it to somebody else in the family, her siblings, that's a form of toxicity. Right. Yes. So, okay. This is so good. I, I'm going to have to have you back. We might have to talk about the, mar the, the what do you call it? The wife, the, the marriageable wife. I can't even remember. I forgot it already. Um, that started this conversation. What oh, was that? Yeah, absolutely. Healing your mother wound so that you can become a wife. Yes. Yes. So we're going to have to talk about that too. Um, you know, so we're going to have to have you back. But I want to give you an opportunity to let the audience know what you're doing next, how they can get involved or follow whatever it is that you're doing. You know what? I want to recommend something else that I'm um, sure. a loud and proud advocate of. Um, and, and that is my website, successbullying.us. Successbullying.us. Okay. Um, and, and I want, I want all, I want everybody on this line to go to that page because um, as I began to do very well for myself in my career, and as I began seeing other women do well, I, I began to just see the very harsh things that people would say about very successful women. Uh, and that is a form of bullying. Good. So if you are a successful woman and you've had people accuse you of you must have done something wrong to get to where you are or oh, no, 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 no. You need to go to successbullying.us. You need to read the psychology behind why people do that. Wow. Uh, you need to see other successful women that have gone through that, how they've overcome. And then you need to click on my tab on that website called Success is Possible. And then I have another website called ILoveMyTestimony.com. And I don't care what you've done. As long as you repent and you go through the process to heal, you can overcome. And I, I, and I say the slogan on that page is, it's own your story so, you, so it can never own you. And yeah. what that means is when you own your story, there's nothing that anybody can hold over your head. I tell people all the time, there's nothing in my life I'm ashamed of. If you think that you could ever embarrass me, baby, I will toss you the mic. And when you get done telling what you think you know, I'll <laughs> write a book and tell you what you didn't know and make a million from it. Ah! <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're going to have you back also to talk about this and the success building. Thank you so much, Tara Carissa Hodges. Everybody stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation on the live exchange. Hello and welcome to the second hour of the live exchange. Today we are talking about toxic mothering, toxic motherhood. And um, whew, the first hour was filled with so much power <laughs> and wisdom by Tara Carissa Hodges. Um, I've been following her for a long time. I still did not know we were going to get all that we got. Um, so um, if you missed the first hour, definitely when the show's over, go back, rewatch uh, some really great stuff. Um, so in the second hour, we're going to continue the conversation. And we are going to be joined by Chandra um, Gore, and um, we're going to learn more about what she's doing and, and her take on toxic motherhood. And I want you all to continue to bring your questions, your thoughts, your experiences 
to uh, the Facebook Live conversation on Sensation Net Station Network um, because um, the, we experience, so many of us experience this in many different ways, whether we experience toxic motherhood directly or if somebody we love experienced it um, and it's being manifest in that relationship that we have with somebody else. So, um, so I'm going to go ahead and bring our second guest on. Um, and I, I'm going to go ahead and just introduce her first. But uh, integrity and hard work have always been the hallmarks um, Chandra Gore has used to build successful and profitable businesses through her consulting firm um, and has worked with entrepreneurs to help them create foundations for success through their boutique counsel, consulting and public relations firm, Chandra Gore Consulting. Quietly making strides with placements for small businesses, entertainment, authors, therapists, and motivational speaking clients on local and national news outlets, she has been leaving her mark as a publicist in the industry. She is also an author, speaker, podcast host, festival founder, and producer. Launching Conversations with Sean, her personal brand it, um, includes a podcast, a YouTube channel, and publication on medium.com. She also hosts a live stream via Amazon Live and as an Amazon influencer. So welcome, 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 Chandra Gore. Thank you today. Good, how are you? It's so great to have you. It's great to be here. I'm loving the shirt, by the way. Beautiful. I'm always <laughs> in a t-shirt. I felt that today. I would, you know, so that I do have more than two bomb t-shirts. <laughs> you and me alike. You and me alike. We might have both shown up in our t-shirts today. <laughs> so I, I'm so glad to have you on the show because it, it's such an important topic. And, um, and it's just, it's heavy, but it's also liberating. If we can see it we can do something about it, whether we are that mother or whether we are the person who experienced that mother. So I just want to give you an opportunity to just, um, you know, share with us why this topic is something that is important for you to discuss. Well, I didn't have a conventional upbringing. Um, I was not raised by my mother. Um, so a lot of people don't know this. Like I was raised by my grandfather and, um, he did have, I did have other women in my, in my life for a period of time, but my rearing came from my grandfather. So I didn't, I had an idea when I looked at everyone else's mother and I saw that, um, I looked at that and I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't traditional, you yeah. know? So I looked at, I kind of envied other people, but then I had the best world because my granddad he doted on me. He's my dad. So he doted on me and he, I have such a, a different outlook on life, like in a way, but it was a great thing. But there was something missing because I didn't have that connection with my mom, you know, my biological mom. I didn't have that. Right, right. You know? So when I started having children, I was definitely afraid to have kids. When I got married, I was like, okay, I'm not going to have kids. I'm going to have some dogs. You know, that was my mindset because, you know, you if you're not um, comfortable in becoming a mom because you don't feel like you had the right uh, role model or the right model for a mom, you know, you kind of you don't want that to come off. And But here I am, three kids in, and I'm, you know, 
<laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So, so we're going to go to a break, and then when we come back, um, we're going to dive into this a little bit more. And uh, I'm also curious about what you learned, how you learned motherhood. One of the people on our Facebook page said that she was learning in, on the job about what it means to be a mother. So, um, so everybody stay with us, and uh, we'll be right back on the live stage. Welcome back to the Little Change. I am Dr. Pamela, and today we are having a conversation about toxic motherhood and toxic mothering. And I am joined by Chandra Gore, and we are um, right before the break. You were telling me about um, your upbringing was really about um, being raised by your grandfather, who, in a sense, is your dad. You know, um, and I'm curious to know. So, as you step into your own motherhood without having the presence of mom there, um, you know. How did you figure it out? I mean, I know we all have to figure it out to some extent. Listen, <laughs> I had an aunt. Well, okay, so during my upbringing, he was married to someone who reared me as well. But that lasted until I was about 15. And so in the, the development side, you know, when you're coming into your womanhood, I didn't have that at that point, you know, so I had to figure it out, you know, figure it out with him. And it turned into him trying to teach me how to be a lady. And it was funny. <laughs> so, but when, when it came to my children, he was very active and um, telling me different things and also like learning that motherhood is not something that's taught. It's something that's felt. Because I ended up turning into wanting to give my children what I would have wanted. Got you know, it. I, yeah. So even now to this day, there is a we have a, we communicate. We we have an open forum where we talk and we kind of. I may sometimes not want to hear some of the stuff they have to say, but I listen. I may react, but I listen. You know. But yes. You know, I'm learning as because my dad listened to me and he allowed me to express myself. He may not like what I was saying, but I ended up learning to to be a mom through how it felt and through um, what I would like, what I would want, what I would what I've wanted. You know, and I think that's a really important point in in the fact that you're you're talking about having a voice. And so, one of the things that I, is a challenge or, or is manifestation of toxic motherhood is not having a voice um, when the child is saying that I feel this way, or here is my um, experience, or somebody made me feel this way. Not having the voice to be able to say that because it's that whole I'm the child, or you're the child, I'm the adult. Um, and you don't have a voice in this house. You do what I say. Um, and, and so having the ability to, to have that voice is powerful. Um, and, mm-hmm. and how do you think that that, you know, impacted who you are today, being able to have that voice? It helped me to understand, like, to stand up for myself. I'm very assertive, you know, so I will speak my mind. And I think that giving my father giving me the chance to express myself in a in a great way if I wasn't expressing myself in a way that was could be received he checked me on that yeah and so a lot of times when people say well go ahead and express yourself sometimes it's the delivery and the tone and so as parents we have to be the first teachers in teaching our children how to 
get the re- get the response or the the reaction that we we would like. Right. You know, so it's within that as a mom, it, you know, I have to take out the fact that okay, listen, I'm still an adult here, but this is a little human being. This is a person. No matter what age they are, they have to be able to express themselves. And if I don't allow them to express themselves, they will express themselves in other ways. So I have to be able to sit down as a mom and listen. I may disagree with what they're talking about, but you have to have that level of respect. And I think growing up in the South, there wasn't anything called respect you feel. Okay, right. You to sit down, you know, it's it's it, it, you have to, you know, kind of break that cycle a little bit, and um, you know, kind of grow out of that. Because I grew up when I mean, when my great grandma was alive, it's children ought to be seen, not hurt. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's exactly the point that I'm making is that that is often the sentiment, you know, um, and so it's so important. And then we don't all we don't often tie that to. Uh, toxic you know, motherhood and, and so forth. So one of the things that you do is you, you work with businesses, you do PR consulting services. And I think that um, we see this toxic um, parenting motherhood that may have happened in childhood manifest itself in business, manifest itself in the way that we approach working with other people. And I just wanted to get a sense from you um, of if you've seen that and how you've seen people who have had perhaps traumatic childhoods um, venture into business and, and, and what that impact might be. Okay, listen, I don't know if, if you were being a fly on the wall of my life last year. <laughs> but I, I have encountered that because I have encountered that in the worst way possible because I, I you know, working with you, you sometimes have to wonder the way that someone conducts business because some people they can't communicate, they're unable to communicate, they take things very personal and they go off the deep end because they don't feel like they're being hurt, right? Yeah. I have dealt with personal in business and you can tell when someone has not had the upbringing that you had or they've had some really bad tra- traumatic experiences because right. it comes out in the business dealings. It comes out in reaction to not getting a placement or not getting their way in business. And you have to sometimes, like, I have to sometimes step back and, and, you know, take a moment, pray, and for my words to be guided correctly because, and then also have some understanding and grace for that person. Right. Because once you begin to point out these different shortcomings, some people do not, some people cannot receive that. Because they weren't told these things as a child. They weren't told these things when they were coming up that, listen, you are not always going to get your way. You can respectfully agree to disagree, and you can compromise. Yes. In business, you need all of those things. You know, you need all those three components to actually function. And then when it becomes the tantrums, and, the you know, there are really tantrums that some people throw in business. Absolutely. So, and we see that at the public when we have crisis management, these are adults throwing tantrums in public. So <laughs> the public, then we have to go and clean up this adult tantrum. So well, we just witnessed that at the White House, at the Capitol building last week, um, a, a, a massive adult 
tantrum. Um, <laughs> drink the tea. <laughs> we are about to go to a break. Uh, so when we come back, we'll continue the conversation and we'll look at some research. Uh, so we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Chandra Gore, and we are talking about toxic motherhood. Um, and so for the first hour, we're really looking at the psychology and the manifestation of it and what it looks like. And for this hour, um, we're really looking at that, that, well, at least for the last, before the break, we're looking at how that plays out with, you know, adult tantrums and um, in the corporate world and, and so forth. Um, but one of the things that I, I wanted to bring out was this idea of reparenting ourselves. So as um, Chandra mentioned, you know, when she became a mother, um, she didn't necessarily have that experience of being raised by her mother and therefore modeling that for her children. Um, And so sometimes when there is something missing or something that needs to be tweaked in our parenthood, um, we have to learn how to reparent ourselves um, because we can basically, in reparenting ourselves, reestablish what that um, our relationship with our parenting um, experience is. So I'm going to give a couple of um, ideas here about what it means. And this is from Sharon Martin about what it means to reparent ourselves. And I would love to get some of your thoughts on this, um, Chandra. Um, so number one, with toxic mothers, number one strategy for reparenting yourself is to stop trying to please them. And this is because it's it's not possible to please somebody who is toxic, uh, particularly if there are some narcissistic characteristics there. Um, it is an uphill battle that really um, there's no destination. And so stop trying to please the person or the people in your life who um, parented you in a toxic way. Um, number two, set and enforce boundaries. So sometimes we have to be able to say no, it, you know, and I love the way that T.D. Jakes put this. Um, he was doing a sermon and one of the uh, women in the audience came to the audience and or came to the microphone and said, I can't get my mother to love me. I can't get my mother to to embrace me or, you know, and all of the things that we went through when I was growing up. She won't acknowledge. She says it didn't happen. Um, and I am trying so hard to to rebuild a relationship with her. And you know what TD said? It was just like, uh, I love him. One of the things he said is that you are you have the capacity of 10 gallons in your love reservoir. You are a 10 gallon lover. Your mother has the capacity of 10 pints. So she is a 10 pint lover. And you are trying to pour all of your 10 gallons into her 10 pints or maybe one pint. And it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't work. And sometimes we have to accept that everybody is not the 10 gallon lover that we are. And as hurtful as it might be, we might have to create boundaries that protect us from trying to pour all of our love into a place where it doesn't fit. Woo! That was life changing for me um, because there are certainly people in my life I've tried to pour all of my love 
into and it just doesn't fit no matter what I do. They are who they are. If they are one, and it's not to say they're one pinters as a bad thing. Like I, like it's a condescending and we're trying to put you down. It's just the reality of whatever traumas they've had in their lives is this is the result of that is their inability to take in as much love as some of us wants to pour out. So I'm going to pause at that one and just get your, your thoughts or reaction to that Chandra. That is, you said a mouthful and T.D. Jakes is absolutely correct because, you know, we have the tendency, like she said, she wanted her mom to like, you know, she wanted her mom to acknowledge and love her. She wasn't raised that way. Yeah. And she's unable to recognize that these are the things that her child needs. Some mothers are like that. They put their needs before their children because they didn't get put first when you know it's a it's a vicious cycle it just keeps going on from generation to generation and that's one of those curses that people like of all all walks of life have to break and so this is the, the whole thing about 10 pint and 10 gallon yes where they are the right. mother was still that mother was is still a woman and still a person so take that feeling from it for a second and just realize this is a woman that's been hurt and doesn't know how to show love and yeah. keep moving because like what I do is eat you up. Absolutely. And what I love about that is that he gave her permission to be the loving person you are. Yep. Do that. Do Be the 10 gallon lover you are. Just know where to pour it and where not to pour it or where to pull it back and how to draw those boundaries. Yes, because I, I personally learned that one, that lesson right there, you know, in business, you know, because I already had boundaries in personal life. But in business, I learned that. Because yes. you have to leave people where they are. They may not want to hear what you have to say. They may not want to patronize your business. They may not want your services. You right. have to leave them where they are. And so this is the reparenting yourself. You have to recondition yourself to, to adapt to these situations and accept it for what it is. You don't have to Absolutely. keep you know, watering yourself down so that they can love you. Like That's when people discount their services to free. No, right. stay where you are. Okay, love yourself enough to understand that that's not for you. Let it go. It's okay. Yeah. Services, your stuff, product is great. Where it's at, leave it at that point because this is all. These are all reactions to how we were raised. See, and you're getting into also money mindsets. And so now that you went there, when we come back, I want to talk about that too because parenting impacts that meant that money. So true. Yeah. All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and today we are talking about toxic motherhood. And on this hour, I am joined by Chandra Gore. And um, one of the last things that was said before the break was this idea of people, you know, selling themselves short and, and maybe lowering their prices or offering things for free. Um, and, and how that in and of itself can be tied to toxic motherhood. Look, we don't think about these connections. And I think it's important for us to understand how these things are connected. Um, one of the things that I, I, I talk about a lot, I have a coaching school, Academy of Creative Coaching, and a part of our curriculum is money mindset and how we um, approach charging people for the work that we do and so forth. And there are different levels or types of money mindsets that are out there. Um, and I don't have the exact names, and but I can describe some of those for you. But we have the idea of lack. So the, the household that always said, we don't have no money. We can't, can't afford it, can't do it. 
and money was just something that was scarce and that we really just assumed was never really going to be there for us. So when you grow up with that lack as your foundation, that understanding of lack, and this is regardless of whether or not there's true lack or not. We're talking about mindset, right? So, um, so when you grow up with that, you take that into your business. And so you hold on to money or any money you get is good. If you know, if you should be charging $125 an hour for your services, any money is good money. So you'll take $10 an hour, you know, you know, so, so that, that's what lack does when you're used to that idea of lack. And then you don't really know how to spend your money effectively because you're afraid to invest it in things that are going to make your business grow. Right. So you kind of got, got that, that piece. Then there is that idea of shaming for money. So the, the idea that, Oh, you just, you're greedy or, you know, money is the root of all evil. Um, it's actually the love of money, <laughs> but, but shaming, just really kind of being ashamed for the pursuit of money. So somebody with raised with that mindset is also going to probably undercut their mm-hmm. cost for their services that they do. And then another one, um, and I'm going to put the positive one out there, which is more about abundance and feeling that there is enough money out there in the world for everybody who reaches out for it. And so I'm going to get it. I'm going to walk in that abundance that exists out there for me. Um, and that comes from more of a healthy place. So again, I'm going to pause and just kind of get your thoughts on, on those different mindsets. <laughs> I've encountered all of those lack. I've encountered people who, you know, who would shame me for um, why are you charging this much when you only doing this amount? I'm like, you're not listening. <laughs> you're not the person I want to work with. Like, I used to go through that. And, you know, I charge what I charge. That's it, you know. But you have to see, you can tell who's been made to feel a certain way if they spend a certain amount, you know. Yeah. You know, you can tell these things by the questions and the reactions when you state your prices. Because right. they don't see the value within themselves. They don't see the value in your service or your right. or what you're doing. So a lot of times that's what it boils down to. And the the positive part of knowing that about someone is that you can help them as a business owner if you choose to. I'm you know, mm-hmm. I'm able to help people in that manner because that might not be your ministry. You know, um, because I know I'm not a I'm not a coach, affirmations or anything like that. But I'm I'm a straightforward, straight shooter. But if I choose to um, try to work through it with someone and let them know the value and explain why this is why it costs that much, take the time to do that. If you feel that it's placed upon your heart, I'm right. not gonna be and say, "Well, you should." I'm not that person. You know, <laughs> but I will say that. And, 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 yeah. You know, you have to feel it to do it. But I do think that those are telling signs that someone does not understand the value of certain things. And they don't, they have a, um, a very hard time valuing themselves as a, as a business owner too. So you definitely have to know who you're working with and have a, a mind that will, you have to think outside of yourself a little bit and think about what the perception is from the other person, you know? Right. So, so knowing, and just like you just said, so knowing who you're working with, but also knowing who you are mm-hmm. and who you're asking people to work with. <laughs> if you are that person, right. you know, being aware. 
Absolutely. So I'm going to go through a couple of the other reparenting yourself strategies here. So the first one was stop trying to please that toxic mother um, because it's just never going to happen. Um, And set and enforce boundaries. So number three is don't try to change them. Um, I think that's one of the things that I am most guilty of, um, not with my mother, but with relationships that I've been in in general with, I, I can do this. I can fix them. You know, I am going to pray that this person sees the light, (laughs) that they become this, this, this person. Um, and I am going to do whatever I can to be there for them, to get them to change. Um, it's not your responsibility to change people. People change when they are ready to change, no matter what you do. Um, so that's a really important piece right there to remember. And then I'll, I'll give number four, which is be mindful of what you share with them. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sharing all my business. Right. Well, so here's the thing. You might have a moment where you feel like we've connected. Like nope. this is it. We finally made it. I can nope. trust you. I'm going to bond with you. So I'm going to share things nope. that you do not need to share in that moment. So we got to go to break. And that's a big one. So, <laughs> so that's a good place to take a break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to look at some research. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive into that one a little bit more. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Live Change. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm going to put out a little research here. Uh, this comes from simplypsychology.org, and it's looking at Volby's attachment theory. And um, so interesting because it really looks at um, childhood and who we attach ourselves to and what happens when we don't get that attachment early on. So basically his theory suggests that children come into the world biologically pre-programmed to form attachments with others um, as a means for survival. So it means that we are supposed to have somebody in our life that we are attached to. Um, and that this is how we grow and how we learn and how we survive on the earth. And so um, that this is perfectly normal. So um, this is called monotropy. So the concept of monotropy suggests that there is one relationship that is more important than all the rest. And so in many cases, that tends to be the mother because that's the first person that you're seeing, the first um, person that's feeding you, and it's just kind of this this automatic um, um, connection, attachment. So this also suggests that there's a critical period for developing attachment. It wasn't like two and a half years old, like by then you need to have that person you're attached to. Um, Bobby has since expanded it to five years old. So that, but at least in that time period of the first five years, it's important to have some sort of attachment. And if it doesn't happen in that time frame, that there is um, an inability to attach to people as adults. So you might have, you might notice that some relationships that you've been in um, might be with somebody who doesn't, they're just more off. They have a wall up. They won't really attach to anybody. They're just kind of distant. Um, 
there's, you know, there's a lot of different effects that can come from not having that attachment at an early age. And so um, if you recognize that in yourself or if you recognize that in somebody that you love, it might be worth investigating um, the different types of attachment issues or connections that you may have had as a child. Um, so, Sandra, um, any thoughts about that when, with regards to attachment in childhood and, and perhaps um, it looks like we've got about 10 seconds. Um, yeah, because you'll seek out what you feel like you're missing. In yeah. Business, in, in, in your personal life, you'll seek out something to fill that void. So that is true. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. That's, that's such a good point. Um, okay, so we're going to carry on with that. When we come back, we're going to go to a break. Stay with us. Add your comments. We'd love to hear your perspectives uh, on the live exchange. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Chandra Gore, and we are talking about the um, just uh, the, the impact, really, of toxic motherhood. And one of the things that Chandra said right before the break was this idea that people look for what they didn't have. They look for what they don't have in their lives and um, or what they didn't get in their lives. And so, um, and you know, and I think I want to add to that, that I think people also look for what they're used to. So, um, so they either, when experiencing a toxic um, uh, relationship with, a, with their mother, um, will gravitate to more of that proximity, toxicity, um, or will also cling on to, as we were talking about attachment ish, um, theory, cling on to something that they perhaps didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, go ahead. That's the sad part is because people can be so used to the, the the cycle of crazy or top mm. you know where it's like where it's like a um they're so used to that environment so when they get something new that that's peaceful and that has everything they question it and they, they don't have the trust. So yeah. it creates a distrust situation. But if you walk them through it's like listen I know you're used to this but let's try this. You have to change your way you speak to someone when you notice that they they're 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 used to um, non-responsive uh, client uh, consultant or publicist, you know, because I deal with a lot of um, clients who have been hurt by publicists, right? So right. I have to go in and re, you know, recreate that trust that they should have in their publicist. So because either they've been taken advantage of, police for their money, and not giving any deliverables or anything like that. So they they go over and beyond, or they don't communicate at all. Yeah, absolutely. So having them work through the uh, what I call it is PR trauma or consultant trauma. Mm. Basically, finding out how to talk to them and how to ease them back into a healthy relationship with someone who's providing that kind of a service because it's intangible. So with yeah. that intangible service, you're only going off of trust. And, and yeah, and those relationships. That trust, it's hard. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand with paying an invoice. Because if, if somebody doesn't trust that you're going to do the job, they're not going to trust paying you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why those those relationships, um, we've got to consider all of the elements that we actually have control over. That we can, you know, um, you know, as we are engaged, we can't do it, uh, you know. 
We can't fix somebody's childhood, but what we can do (laughs) is that we can be aware of ourselves and the ways in which we have um, limitations um, based on our trauma um, and and break and figure out how to heal and break through those. Um, as for those of you who are just joining us, we were looking at different ways to reparent ourselves mm-hmm. um, through once you know if we've experienced toxic motherhood. Um, and there's just a couple more here that I want to make sure we get out before we um, finish the show. Um, number five was know your parents' limitations and work around them. So if you know that your parent isn't the I love you type of person, don't try to force them to say I love you. <laughs> Just you know, allow one of my a good friend of mine who's been kind of on the show a few times, Ron Chapman, really challenged me to think about considering people, um, allowing people to be who they are. And, and, you know, and that's a big struggle, you know, that concept of allow people to be who they are, because what if you don't like who they are, right? Um, but what it comes back down to is don't try to force people to be what you need them to be. Allow them to be who they are. And so this is a really good point for the toxic parenthood um, piece and how to reparent yourself. And then there's four more. Number six is always have an exit strategy. Um I know that doesn't fit well, but in any situation you're in, whether it is a business deal or a relationship that you're in, a romantic relationship or a sibling relationship, if you know that there's a potential for toxicity, it's important that you have an exit strategy and that you are willing to implement that exit strategy. I heard you say yes in there somewhere. Yes, because in my contract, yeah, and that was one of the things. Um, uh, if you're not going to verbally abuse me, you're not going to not communicate with me. You have to state those boundaries so that people understand. Because some people think because I'm paying you, I can talk to you any kind of way. Because right. that's what they've been raised to do. No, you have to state that. You know, no abusive language. If there's a conflict or disagreement, we should work through it unless we will go to Like, you have to put that in writing and talk about it. Because some people don't know how to communicate that they're unhappy with their services. Some people yeah. don't know how to And sometimes that um, not happy with the services is them not understanding how the process works. So right, right. You have to learn to talk to people because, like, when your child is not happy with what's going on in the household, what do they normally do? They throw a tantrum, or they stop speaking to you, or whatever they do. Right? You have to. Right. You're supposed to teach your child, like, listen, if you don't like something, come to me and tell me. Talk to me about it so we can work on fixing it. You know, if it's you being on punishment because something you did, then you got to accept that. But if it's something that, you know, you don't want to sit at the dining room table while you're doing your online learning or your virtual learning, you want to sit on the floor in your room, that's co- you have to talk talk it out. Because this is how you have to recondition. And that, that applies in business as well. You don't want right. to talk about Okay, what day of the week will work for you within my schedule? You have to be able to communicate those things and meet people where they are. People aren't going to change overnight. And it's not your job to change it. Absolutely. And and so that, that whole idea of having an exit strategy, if that relationship is not working, finding a way to, to get out. Um, and then number seven is don't try to reason with them. Um, you can't reason with toxicity. You can't. 
talk and rationally say, so how are we going to get out of um, this situation? Or how, if we're in the heat of the moment, mother, daughter, mother, son, we're in the heat of the moment, we've got passionate arguments going on, you can't reason with them in that moment. And so it's important to just accept that, again, allow them to be who they are, and you function the way that you function. Kind of back to that 10-gallon challenge idea that you are allowed to love with all of your 10 gallons, but you have to be clear on how you do that and with whom you do that. Um, number eight is you don't have to be at your parents' beck and call. So if they call and say, look, I need this, and, I need, and there, there probably will be some guilt associated with that. It is okay to give yourself permission to say no. It is okay to give yourself permission to say, you know what? This is not something that I can do. I cannot insert myself into the situation. I need to protect myself. Yep. And yes, yeah, you'll get called um, selfish. You will get oh, called negative. That's the nature of toxicity. Like you said, so what? Do what you I mean, have that was a complete sentence. You don't so have that explanation for saying no. No is a complete sentence. No. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. It is a complete sentence. And sometimes it takes work to get to the point to be able to do that. That is okay. The first thing that's important is to know that you can say no. Yep. And, and, and once you learn that, do the work to figure out, go to counseling, go to therapy to figure out how to actually say that no and let that no be your complete sentence. I love it. And then there's one more. Woo, this is important for every aspect of life. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You are responsible for yourself. Nope. Nobody else is responsible for making sure that you are internally okay. Now, now look, there are people who commit to doing that. I'm going to be in your life and I'm going to love you. And yes, as a child, your parents should have been doing that. But now that you are an adult, that is your charge to take care of yourself. I mean, so, that's true. <laughs> right. So, so that, that is how you reparent yourself. Um, we are at the tail end of the show. It flew by. But Chandra, can you please let us know how we can get in touch with you, how um, people can utilize your services and follow what you're doing? Um, you can visit my website at www.chandragoconsulting.com. You can also follow me on um, Instagram and um and Facebook at Chandra Gore Consulting, and also Conversations with Chan um, uh, as well on um, Instagram. Um, it's uh, at Conversations with Chan as well. So that's how awesome. you can reach me, and uh, we can talk PR or marketing your business or revitalizing your business. So I'm here for all of that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out to join us today. And then I also want to thank all the guests who are listening and who've commented and who've engaged in this very important conversation. Um, please feel free to join us next week as we are talking about co-parenting. Woohoo! Um, there's so many dynamics around that as well. So I am really looking forward to that show. Um, so Stay with us or, or join us every Thursday from 11 to 1 right here on the live stage where we discuss humanity, intellect, and change. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe and God bless. Mm-hmm.